0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
1: So they're flashy. They're dominant. They're the superstars. We love the superstars, but don't overlook those who are on the sidelines or on the bench. Uh, After being... The starting quarterback on his college team, uh, this young man spent the next four years unnoticed and without being named to an NFL roster. Uh, No one would even give him a look. And then finally, in 1994, he was signed by the Green Bay Packers. But before the season ever started, he never got to step on the field during the regular season. Before the season ever started, not only did they bench him, they cut him. They released him, and so he went back to his hometown, and he began to work in a grocery store for $5.50 an hour, and over the next three years, he finally found a spot on an arena football team and did well, and then finally, he became the St. Louis uh, uh, Rams back then. I can't hardly do it. Uh, in St. Louis Rams, and uh, he, he, he sat on the bench all year long as a backup, never got on the field as the starter. He was riding the pines. But then finally, the following season during his first season as an NFL starting quarterback, Kurt Warner led the greatest show on turf, uh, which was what they called the offense for the St. Louis Rams, to their first Super Bowl uh, title in Super Bowl number 34. And he was named the league and the Super Bowl MVP. He won his second league MVP award in 2001, where he also went back to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36. And then he appeared in Super Bowl number 43 with the Cardinals. He is now considered the NFL's greatest undrafted player of all time. He is the only undrafted player to be named the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP as well as the only undrafted quarterback to ever lead his team to a Super Bowl victory all by a guy who was riding the pine. He couldn't get in the game. He had no ability to get in the game and now he finds himself in 2017. uh, He's been inducted into the Football Hall of Fame from a bench warmer position. Last week we started talking about a, another well known bench warmer and we began to look at the life of Jonah and we talked about the fact that Jonah. Uh, was reluctant. We, we discussed the fact that most of us don't get in the game simply because we are reluctant. Therefore, we fail to fulfill our destiny. We, fulfill, we fail to serve. We fail to do what God has called us to do. And I mentioned to you last week that there are numerous reasons that we're reluctant. I want us to dive deep this, this morning into one of the reasons that Jonah was so hesitant. Why was Jonah so reluctant to serve? Join me in Jonah chapter 2. I'm going to read one. Uh, chapter one, one verse out of that chapter, just to let you know where Jonah is now, because when we left him last week, he was inside the fish, right? Uh, And and so we didn't, we couldn't discern whether it was a catfish, grouper, whale, we don't know. It was just a big old fish. And that's where we left him. So in Jonah chapter two, verse 10, it says this, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Now go to chapter three, beginning in verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Verse 10 when, saw, when God saw that they had done what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And now we get down to it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Listen. The change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very See, I think the reason that many of us are bench warmers and the reason that so many of us ride the bench for so long is simply because of this. We're angry. Boy, it's quiet in here after y'all been, like, worshiping all so. It's not. Listen look at, tap your neighbor and say, it's going to get tight in here. Come on, tell them. Tell them it's going to get tight up in here because, because I'm coming for you right now. I'm coming right where you live. Y'all, th- I know y'all glow when y'all walk in here, but I'm coming right for how you act at work. I'm coming right for how you act in your house. I'm coming. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for how you treat the dog right now. So, 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 so Jonah was reluctant because Jonah was angry. His anger kept him from doing and responding to the call of God on his life. I wonder how many of us sit here today and, and, and we're, we're sitting on the sidelines simply because we're angry. We're angry. We, we, we talk, we're we're going to talk here in a few moments about the targets of our anger, but, but let's talk about the results of anger. For just a moment, I want to remind you that the result of Jonah's anger was that he gets swallowed up by a fish. It it, it reminds us that all of his plans were thrown overboard. It leads to a a, a pouting session. Go on and read chapter 4, the rest of chapter 4, and you discover that for the next little season, Jonah is involved in pouting. I know none of you have ever pouted in all of your little life, uh, but some of y'all have seen you walking around, and I'm afraid you're going to step on your bottom lip because you've been pouting long enough. But Jonah was in a pouting season simply because he was angry. His anger sidelines him. And I wonder how many of us, how many of us could be living a productive, uh, a, an effective Christian life? Not just a Christian life, just life in general. How many of us, our life would be so much better, except for the fact that we're so angry that instead, what we do is we sulk and we sour. Come on now. I told you it's going to get tight. We, 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 we get swallowed up by what made us angry. So let me help you just for a moment before we start talking about targets. If you don't think that anger will lead you to destruction, let me just help you. For, for you Bible scholars in the room, for those of you that are familiar with your Bible, uh, maybe what I'm getting ready to read to you is new, but, but, but for most of us, we've heard this all of our lives. May, may I remind you of what Paul told us when in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, he gives us some really good instructions. He says this: "In your anger, do not sin, so it is possible to be angry and not to sin. So we know that part. Good instruction. He says, "Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry." Great instructions. If we could just learn to live by that. Get mad in the morning, get over it by night. All right, that's what he's saying. Good instructions, right? Everybody, are y'all with me this morning? You and, okay, so, 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 so good instructions. Here's the problem. Great instructions, but we never connect it to what he says next. We like the instructions about not letting the sun go down on our wrath. That's how I learned it, Right? But we never connect it to what he says next. Because what he says next, okay, he's, he's, this is what he said. He says, in your anger do not sin; him. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And then he says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Whew, we missed it. He is literally stating to us that if we're not careful, anger becomes a trap. So, 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 so if we don't handle our anger correctly, it gives the devil what Paul called a foothold. I started thinking, well, I think I know what a foothold is. I I mean, I haven't done much climbing, but I've done a little bit of climbing to know that when you climb, you need a foothold, right? So I begin to think, what is a foothold? And this is what I discovered. A foothold gives the enemy of our soul a point of leverage in our lives. It gives him entrance. This is the literal definition of a foothold right here. A foothold is literally a secure starting position from which further advance can be made. It is a firm starting position. What makes you angry is nothing more than the enemy trying to get a starting position by which he can get further advance in your life. Come on, hasn't anybody in the room ever discovered that a foothold can very quickly turn into a stronghold? Am I the only one that's ever figured out that if I give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile? Have I, Is there anybody else in the room that's ever discovered that all you gotta do is just give him just a little entrance, and all of a sudden he has a secure position from which he makes further advances into our lives? That's, that, that, that's why what started out as a minor issue can mushroom into a full-blown world that, that, that's, why, that's why a small offense can end up exploding into something that destroys every relationship around us. That's why a, a small weakness can turn into a life-altering issue. That's why a habit that we don't deal with can turn into full-blown addiction. Am I right? It's a, it's a foothold that turns into a stronghold. And, and Paul says that if we're not careful, the enemy will use anger to establish a foothold and a stronghold in our life. That gives him advance. So so I want you to hear me. Anger is advantageous to our adversary. We don't think anger matters. Can I tell you that when you get angry and you don't handle it correctly, it becomes an advantage that the enemy gains into your life. Okay, so this is what happens. See see if I'm right. See if I'm right. See if I'm right. Anger leads to denial. And then here's what it does. It leads to more anger. Has anybody else ever figured this out? I I, I I think I finally got a grasp of this. I can admit every other emotion except anger. Like I know, I can admit that I'm I, I'm feeling sorrow. I can admit that I'm feeling uh, remorse. I can feel I can say you know what I'm, I'm dealing with worry. The one that I struggle. with, oh, come on. Am I the only one? Maybe y'all prayed up this weekend better this week better than I did. Maybe I'm the only one that has discovered that the one that I don't like to admit is anger. I'm not angry. I'm just standing up for myself. <laughs> I'm not angry. This isn't my problem. This is the problem. Okay, so, so haven't you noticed that it's hard to convince angry people that they're angry? In fact, what happens is if, you de- if you're dealing with angry people and you confront their anger, what happens? They get angrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because anger leads to denial, and denial leads us back to more anger. Anger, see, this is why I'm telling you that. Anger will not only get you, on, to, keep you, put you on the bench, it will keep you on the bench. I'm gonna say that again, because I messed it up the first time. I, I, now I'm mad. Anger, anger will not only get you onto the sidelines, it will keep you on the sidelines. If you don't believe that, listen to what the wise man writes in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 19. Listen, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty, listen, rescue them, And you will have to do it again. What's he saying? He's saying that that if you give the enemy a foothold of anger in your life, it will lead to denial and it will lead to more anger. So now we have to rescue you again. And again. And again. And again. Why? Because of anger. 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 Anger sidelines us. Anger traps us. That's why the same writer tells us in Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 through 25, he says, Do not make friends with an angry man and do not associate with a hot tempered man, or you may learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. The reason that Jonah was sidelined was because he was angry. The reason that some of you can't get off the bench and accomplish everything that God has for you to accomplish is simply wrapped up in this one truth. You are angry. You allowed a foothold to get established in your life, and now it has become a stronghold, and you cannot seem to find yourself into freedom and into fulfillment. Come on, look, look at your neighbor and say, who who. Why are you so mad? Come on, tell them. Ask them, why, why are you so mad? I want, I want you to notice the targets of Jonah's anger because they are, it's the same target. Some of y'all, y'all getting an the answer right now and you're not happy about it because some of y'all sitting by some folks that looked at you and you know I'm mad. Let me tell you why, I'm not mad. <clears throat> Let me show you the targets because I think it, it'll help us. Bench warmers are often on the bench because they're angry at people. Jonah didn't run from the call of God on his life because he was afraid of the people of Nineveh. He ran from the call of God on his life because of his hatred for the people of Nineveh. All you got to do is go research and you discover that the people of Nineveh were cruel, they were wicked, and so Jonah saw them as less than human. So in a very real sense, he was very angry at these people because they didn't care about God. So now Jonah is consumed with anger, and it puts him on the bench. I wonder how many of us Jesus-loving folks in the room won't serve Jesus, not because we don't love Jesus, but simply because we won't love people. See, people anger can keep us from serving. This is what happens. Someone hurts us And it sidelines us. I'm I'm trying, man. Y'all, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, and I'm just telling y'all that that all that has to happen. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna intentionally try to make you mad today as you leave. All right? I'm gonna have the greeters like slap you when you walk out the door. I don't know. Some I'm gonna get people positioned in the parking lot to ding your car as you're as you're leaving. I don't know. We got them because, but isn't that what happens? I mean, we get angry at people. People. This is what happens. A fellow, a fellow churchgoer says the wrong thing at the wrong time and we exit the game. Isn't this what happens? A pastor does something or doesn't do something that we think he ought to do or shouldn't do. He says something under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We think he's reading our mail and then he's been spying on us and he's talking about me. And all of a sudden, we will check out of the game for the next 10 months to punish him or her. A parent, a friend, a teacher, a boss will say something or do, do, do the wrong thing and 10 years later, we wake up and what we discover is that we're, we're, we're on the bench, we're still in a bad mood, we're still out of action, we're still nursing. Think about the term I just used right there. Come on, let your mind work. We're still nursing, we're feeding the anger and the infraction that took place 10 years ago keeps us on The sidelines. So when God wants to use us, we refuse and we hesitate simply because we are mad at people. I just need to help you this morning to tell you that anger will destroy your empathy. It will destroy your compassion. It will destroy your ability to love like Jesus. Who are you mad at? Who? Who did you wrong? Who, Who stabbed you in the back? Who betrayed you? Who refused to speak to you when you needed to be spoken to? Who refused to help you when you needed the help? Who refused to come and rescue you when you needed to be rescued? And now you find yourself on the sidelines broken. Haven't you nursed that thing long enough? You do recognize that being angry at people is like drinking poison, expecting it to kill them, right? It, it, It poisons you from the inside out. The anger of your life is poisoning you from the inside out. And and so now the the, the writer says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And so what he's literally saying is he's saying this. If you hang on too long, it will hang on to you too long. Tick-tock. 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 Not not the app. Tick-tock. The clock. The clock is ticking on your anger. It's time to let it go. I, I, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I just know that some of y'all come in here every Sunday morning, and you get, you got this big old smile plastered all over your face. But the truth is, is that da- down deep inside of you, there's something going on. There's an undercurrent of anger in your life, and you're mad at somebody because they did something somewhere, sometime, and you've never fully gotten over it. And because of that, you continue to ride the pine. The, the second thing I want you to notice is this. Bench warmers are often on the bench because they're angry at God. Not only was Jonah angry at these people for not caring about God, he was also angry at God for caring about these people. Uh, Does that that sound familiar? How many of us that are now rescued get angry when God decides to rescue people we don't like? See, I, I want you to notice what happens. Jonah becomes enraged at God because God saw that the people of Nineveh changed their heart, changed their mind change their position towards God, but because God sees what they've done and decides not to destroy them, Jonah comes to the conclusion, God, you're making me look bad. How many of you know a prophet doesn't look good when what the prophet said is going to come to pass doesn't come to pass? We got a prophet here that's been sent to, to the city of Nineveh with a prophetic message, message from God. You're going to be destroyed. They turn towards God, and now the prophet is angry at God because God sees the repentance in the lives of those people and doesn't do what he said he was going to do. And all of a sudden, Jonah throws a hissy fit. Go read it. Go read chapter 4. He, 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 oh, I could say some, I, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, I want to say it like I want to say it. Like he's got some stuff all up in a wad. All right, there you go. Uh, he, he, he is, he's, he mad. God, what are you doing, bro? You promised me you said you were going to destroy them. What's wrong with you? You've made me look like a fraud. So Jonah becomes angry at God because God didn't do what Jonah thought he should do. Okay, I'm getting ready to help somebody right here. How many of us, in this moment, are not on the field of battle simply because we're mad at God? We're mad at God. How how many of us are angry at God because God didn't do what we wanted Him to do when we wanted Him to do it? Come on now. I, I, I wanted God to change my home life, and He didn't do it. I'm coming for you right now. I I, I wanted God to change my appetites, and he didn't do it. I wanted God to to, to take the temptation away, and he hasn't. I, I wanted God to give me the opportunities that I dreamed about, and yet he doesn't seem to come through for me. He comes through for everybody else, and now I'm mad at God. We become angry. We act like we're angry about where we come from. We act like we're angry about what didn't go, the way things didn't go, the way they should go. We we, we act like we're angry about all kinds of stuff. But the truth is, is if you boil it down, if you get down to brass tacks, if you get down to the bottom line, if you get down to where the rubber meets the road, here's the truth. We're mad at God. I'm mad at God. God, if you'd done what I wanted you to do, I wouldn't be broken. I wouldn't be hurt, I wouldn't be wounded, I wouldn't be addicted, I wouldn't be struggling, I wouldn't be divorced, I wouldn't be bankrupt, I wouldn't have all these relations in my rearview mirror, I, I, relationships in my rearview mirror, I wouldn't be sick. If you would just have done what I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it, then I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, and because of that, I am mad at you. We blame God, and we find ourselves imprisoned by our anger. Uh, Here's the truth. If we're going to get off the bench, then we've got to come to this place where we learn how to manage our anger. I'm going to help you here in a moment. I'm going to say a couple lines, just a couple things that I've written down that you've got to get. If you don't get anything else, you've got to get what I'm getting ready to tell you here in just a moment. But, but here's, the, here's, the, here's what you got to hear me this, this morning. If we're going to get off the bench and serve, if we're going to find freedom, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, then when we pull it down, then we have got to deal and manage our people anger and our God anger. And therefore, we must come to this place where we answer this simple question right here. Am I going to be angry? or am i going to be available you can't be both come on somebody you can't be both you you are either angry or you're available so so our willingness to get in the game must override our anger see here's here listen to me i know the worship team coming don't let them distract you listen to me listen to me there there are things like anger that have to be dealt with daily anybody else or just steve All right, maybe it's not anger for you, but for me, okay. There are some things that have to be dealt with daily. We must put them to death. So hear me. There are some emotions that are never completely eradicated. Wait a minute. I thought I gave my life to Jesus. Hear me again. There are some emotions that are never completely eradicated, but they can be arrested. Y'all missed it. Some deliverance isn't the absence of something, it's the management of something. Talk, I'll amen myself. That was good, Steve. I appreciate you telling me that. There are some things in our lives that we manage, not because they've been they're absent out of our lives. Some of the things that we deal with, we manage, and that causes us to find deliverance. So so so. so Let me see if I'm, see if I'm, how many of you know you can be delivered from an activity and still struggle with the appetite? Come on, somebody. How many of you know that you can, you you can be delivered from an activity and still struggle with the appetite? Come on, y'all little holy folks. How many of you know? Come on, I know y'all got it all hidden at home. But how many of you know you can struggle with an activity, but, 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 come on now. It's about our appetites. Certain actions, but um, can I just... Ooh, man, I feel I need, I need a counselor's couch. Can somebody bring me a counselor's couch? I'm gonna lay down right now. Can I just be straight up honest with you? There are some actions by people, and some of the decisions that God makes that still make me mad. <laughs> okay, I know I know y'all ain't seeing me like that, but come on now, um, I'm a slow boil. How often do you see me mad, Drew? Not very often. All right, because I'm, I'm a slow boil. But let me just tell you. Let me just let you know that there are some things that people do and there's some stuff God does. I'm just going to say it like I'm going to tick me off. Julie said I couldn't say I'm going to stab you in the neck anymore, so I ain't going to say that, but that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> and so what I've learned is this. If I'm going to stay delivered, I have to manage my anger. Because because although I've been delivered from the activity, I still have an appetite for it. And so I have to, so that's why Paul comes along and he says this. He says, why do you think he said this? I have to die daily. Every morning, if if I'm not careful, I got to get up every morning and say, "Steve, manage that temper. Manage it." There, there are some things that you're delivered from that you're delivered from because you've learned to manage that thing. We must make the conscious decision to die daily. And I just want to encourage you this morning that you are going to have to come to this place where you make the decision, am I angry or am I available? I have the appetite for anger. I'm just like Jonah. There's some stuff some people have done in my past that I would like, y'all going to have to come visit Pastor Steve in the center, the, dis- the detention center, because there's some stuff. If I don't manage, there's some stuff. There's some stuff some people have done to me, stuff that, that people have done to my kids, stuff that people have done to my family, stuff that people have done to people that I love, my friends. They said some stuff. They did some stuff. They looked at me wrong. And if y'all, if, if I don't, if, I got to make up my mind, because if I don't make up my mind, I'm going to be sidelined, and the call of God on my life is going to be destroyed because I'm mad at people, but then there's some of us, maybe myself included that just don't like everything God does. ever been there? I wish my path hadn't where were you God? Why am I here? why why now? why didn't come on, why didn't you do what you said? why you said why? why God? I don't like where I am now. I don't want to be here. I don't want to have to deal with this. If you would have just done what God, if you'd have just done what you said or what I wanted you to do. And the only solution I have for you is this. You can be angry or you can be available. And the only way you become available is you go, you know what? I got to manage that emotion. Paul says it's okay to be angry. Nowhere does it say you can't be angry. Get mad, just don't sin. That's what he says. Get mad, that means if I get mad, I got to learn how to, I can get angry, but I can't sin. I can't let that anger manage my life. I can't let it rule me. I can get mad, but I can't hold a grudge. I can get mad, but I can't go cut their tires. I can get mad, but I can't scratch their car. I can get mad, but I can't talk bad about them. I can get mad, but I can't go attack them. I can get mad at God, but I can't let it override my love for God and my desire to do for him what he wants me to do. I've got to manage that thing. Get mad, just don't sin. Because if you hold on to it too long, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Some of y'all been hanging on to some anger. Some of y'all mad at some folks. You've been, somebody walked out on you, somebody betrayed you. Somebody stabbed you in the back. Somebody talked bad about you. Somebody somewhere did you wrong. And you've got a right to get mad. You just can't sin. You can't let it sideline you. Some of y'all mad at God. God, this is not, this is not the script. I wrote. This is not what I wanted you to do. This is not how I wanted this to go. And if you're not careful, if you don't deal with that, use everybody else. I'm done. I'm sidelined. And I've seen more Christian people that talk about love, talk about goodness, talk about mercy with their hind end on the bench for decades because they're mad at God and they won't admit it. And if you confront them like I'm confronting you now, you know what they do? They deny it. And you know what the denial does? It leads them to more anger. So now they get mad. Those are the ones that usually leave the church about right now. Don't talk about me. You, you can't say that to me. I'm just trying to help you. Get off the bench. You've been hanging on to it too long. Father, I pray that you'd confront us this morning. Help us. I know I need your help. I know that my appetite for anger may always be there. But I can manage it. Through your help, through your mercy, through your grace, I can manage it. I pray that in this moment right now, you would confront anger in each and every one of us. There are some folks under the sound of my voice that can relate to me. We're angry at people if we're not careful. There are are people that have done some things to us that hurt. We're wounded. They left a mark. And now we find ourselves mad. For some of us, we're angry at you. We're angry because this didn't go like we thought it was going to go. This wasn't in the plans. This wasn't the way we mapped this thing out. We find ourselves going down an entirely different path a different direction than what we thought and so now we're mad we're mad at you you should have done what we wanted you to do when we wanted you to do it Father I pray in this moment right now in this very moment you would help us to relinquish the anger in our lives I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team, would you sing? Because this thing, what they're going to sing says, I'm available. The only way that you can honestly sing this song, honestly. I mean, you can fake it. I like this song. You can sing it and not actually mean it. You can sing this song and literally still be on the sidelines. You can sing this song and not really ever make a move to do anything God's ever called you to do because you're angry. So as they sing, I'm available, the only way you can respond is by dealing with your people anger or your God anger. That's the only way. So I want to challenge you as they sing, if you are angry this morning, and I know some of you are, then I'm going to ask you to respond. This is how we're going to do this. As they saying, if you can come to the place where you say, you know what? I am available. I'm going to manage my anger. I'm going to die. I'm going to lay this thing down. I'm going to let the people go, and I'm going to let God go. I want you to step out, and as an offering, as an, an act of offering, I just want you to come and stand here and worship and tell God you're available. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. I'll be the first. I'll be the first because I, I, I got to manage anger sometimes.
0: And I hear you.
1: Give it all to him. So, Father, right now, we ask you, we lay down all of our anger. It's not that we don't get mad. It's just that we don't let this anger trap us anymore. So, right now, we go back over our lives and everything that has made us so angry, made us so so disappointed, so hurt by people, we lay those things down right now. In the name of Jesus, we release all of that anger, that animosity, that hatred. We lay it down. They hurt us, but, but they can't trap us. They hurt us, but they can't, they can't keep us on the you sidelines any longer. We let it go. We let it go. We let it go. And then, Father, we, we let you off the hook. We say that you're God, but then we want to act like God. We want to tell you what to do it and when to do it, how to do it. And we, we just come to this place right now that, Father, we say to you, you're God. And this might not have been my choice. This might not have been my preference. This might not have been the direction that I would have chosen. I didn't want it to play out like this. Yeah. I didn't want life to be like it is. I didn't want to be where I'm at with the people I'm with, in the environment I'm in, at this stage in life. But you're God. And your word declares that you ordered the steps. Of righteous men and women and so I let you off the hook I let you out of I I, I recognize I cannot I can no longer punish you for doing what's best for me because your word also says that your plans are to prosper me so even though I may not like where I am going through what I'm going through I have to rest in this fact you are you're looking out for my best interest and so I get off this bench And I begin to serve and I begin to obey and I begin to follow. So Father, I pray that right now we would recognize that although anger may never completely be eradicated, I pray that you would arrest it in our lives right now. We no longer allow anger to dominate our moods, our choices, our actions, our words. Instead, we declare, oh God, We declare that the enemy has no foothold in this area of our life from this moment forward. We walk into freedom and we walk into deliverance by managing our anger. I pray that you would do this. It's going to change the way that we talk, it changes the way we remember, it changes our outlook, it changes our perspective it changes how we think about our future. We are no longer defined by what happened to us. That's what happened to us. That's not who we are. And so we relinquish that and we ask you to heal our hurt. And I ask you to help us to lay all of our anger down so that we become available to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you sing that part right there, babe? Sing it. Sing it. You can have it all.
0: Come on, don't you sing this if you don't mean it. You've got to lay it all down. tell him this morning. I'll say, I'll say, it's a yes. Come on, say it out loud. Yes, Lord.
1: We just say yes. For a lot of us, we've been saying no for a long time because we were so angry. But now whatever you're calling us to do, we say yes. If, if it's to love on people that we don't like, yes. If it's to stay in an environment that you've called us to that we don't like, we say yes. If you want us to serve we think we've got so much more to offer, but this is, this is a, a lesser role than what we thought we should be playing. The answer is yes. If you're going to call us to love people, the answer is yes. We just simply say yes. Whatever you want for us to do. God, I pray for everyone that came down this morning that laid their anger on the altar. I pray that in what they would discover over the coming days is they manage that anger because it's going to want to come back. I know it is. I just pray that they would be reminded that they can die daily. They can make up their mind. They don't have to give the enemy a stronghold, a foothold. They can manage this thing. And I pray that every time they're tempted that appetite for anger rises up inside of them. I pray that a a resounding yes would rise up in their spirit and the yes would be to you. And as they respond, that anger would be destroyed in their life day by day, choice by choice. And from this moment forward, we would walk together in deliverance, and in freedom from anger, we ask this and believe this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, touch your neighbor right now and say, I ain't mad. Come on, tell him, I ain't, I ain't mad. I ain't, I ain't mad. I ain't mad. And before Austin comes and closes us out, let me remind you on your chair. There are these prayer and invite cards. We're challenging you to think of five people that you can invite to the 29th and to pray for them. If you'll drop those in the offering bucket this morning, we'll be joining you in prayer for them. You can be seated for just a moment.
0: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.